saw this guy yesterday who he was walking along. Uh, it was on a busy street, so I didn't really have time to drink at all and, you know, it was sort of rush hour in the city. But he was probably late 70s, I'd say Italian or Greek. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, pretty old, and from a distance I saw that he was wearing a brown suit. And I thought to myself, that guy is, is accidentally fresh. Like he's accidentally rocking an awesome look just because he's kind of got a brown suit. The closer yeah, he was got, fresh in the 50s. He yeah, went out of style. Yeah, and it's just kind of what he's he right has. back in there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. At complete accident. He's looking really dope right now. Got closer, saw that he had a chain on. So I thought, okay, this is, this is intentional fresh. This guy is an accidental. He knows what he's not. Was the potential, uh, like, was, was the, the, the chain under the jacket outside the shirt? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was gold. It was a legit chain. Got even closer, realized his suit was made out of what I'd describe as either fake or real leather. I don't know the difference, but 70s brown couch. Right. And the entire suit was made out of 70s brown couch leather. I thought, whoa, that's an amazing suit. Got even closer. He's wearing a shirt made out of the same material. Big pot gut over it and just rocking it. It was like a polo shirt, leather polo shirt, leather suit. Chucks. I bet he was on some some kind of like organized crime gang oh, back in the day. I wanted to follow him to see, see where he was going, and I didn't. I wanted to get a photo of him, but like, how it was tall a busy was he? Street, oh, a little bit shorter than me. Oh yeah, okay. I want to know his story. Where did you even get? Like, also, yesterday was this was right? yesterday, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't cool. It was hot. So underneath that third layer, it would have been a world of hurt, I imagine. There's a point in that guy's life where he's like, I've got too much leather. What am I going to do with it? I'm going to get someone to make me a suit out of it. Oh, so you reckon... Yeah, okay. Well, like, you're not buying that off the shelf, right? Possibly. Well, I mean, he probably bought it in the 50s. I want to leave the suit now. Yeah, I reckon. Good afternoon, Dave. Good afternoon to you, friend. And let's welcome our guest, uh, friend of the show. Uh, Just friend of us, I Friend guess. of ours, Rob Ruminski. How's it going? Not too bad, gentlemen. How are you? Very, very well. I'm really good. This is, uh, I can't remember the number of the episode, but it's the second take of this episode. We recorded one last week and the file failed. Oops. And we don't have, uh, we can't retrieve it. We had the last like 10 minutes. It was great as well. One the of the best. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, uh, I'm just going to be a disappointment after the guest that, that, that you failed to record. Yeah, it's like the, the show fails. Shit, what do we, who do we get rope into like yeah. do the makeup show? And then after six or seven options, we're like, what about Rob? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> That's not true. Like. There wasn't seven options. There's two. Yeah. He, he knows there was at least one because I asked him about one. Um yeah, so that was a bit of a disappointment. We had the last 10 minutes, but they were basically in-jokes. Referring, the yeah, callbacks like from the, the ruined first 50 minutes, yeah. yeah. So How is that different from the rest of the show normally? Yeah, it's pretty accurate, actually. But at least people... No, but go. people got the setup. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, let's quickly, before we chat to Rob, um, about uh, an article he wrote. Was it called an article in, in this context? What do you think? What do you call it? Uh, it's not on a blog, is it's it? It's not so blurred well, lines. Yeah, yeah what is? What, it's it's a medium. I wrote a medium. Is that so? Are we using that as a 
verb now? Um, verb? I really don't want to, but uh, until I come up with uh, a, a better idea, uh, we might have to verb it. All right. Why don't we make up our own? I'm not confident. With All right. Uh, so for those that don't know, Medium is a open is a kind of blog. partially successful TV show from the early 2000s. Sorry. Um, Anyone remember that show? Okay. So, Rob, do you want to be my regular co-host now? Because <laughs> Dave just... Uh, All right, uh, no one told me this was an audition. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Medium's like an open platform blog where you, you know, I can just chuck something up. Is that yeah, right? it's, it's, it's like a fancy-ass version of LiveJournal for uh, the contemporary era, basically. Um, it's a... Uh, sort of a social network blogging platform where you can just type your stuff in and it comes up looking pretty and it sort of has its own ecosystem where people can follow each other on there and yeah it's it's a fancy live journal and they host it from their own server yes. is that right yes. yeah all right let's not go too far into it we can do that on the main segment we don't want to spoil everything for the uh, rest of it so I'll, keep I'll your powder dry this <laughs> is just an, an entree uh I've got a few. I've actually got a reasonable list of news, but nothing. Let's happened. crack in. All right. Uh, the Out of a Time website just been relaunched. Mm-hmm. Looking, Looking slick pretty too, by the way. Uh, I put a, a music review up there this morning because it's not all about beer. Uh, no one's going to give a shit about UK hip hop, which the people that listen to our, our podcast and like UK hip hop, the very small, pretty small overlap. midsection. I, I'd of like Venn to see diagram. that Venn diagram. Yeah. 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 But like the one person, I know that we've got like one or two listeners that like hip hop and they're going to appreciate it. So what's up? What's this up, is boys? for you. What's up? Um, Crafty Pint uh, has just launched the Crafty Cabal, which is some sort of subscription service where you can sign up and pay a hundred bucks, I think, and you get all sorts of discounts and VIP parties they talked about. Uh, yeah, heaps of stuff. So check that out. Um, it's an interesting initiative. And I think basically... It's a way to support the Crafty Pint, uh, and he's done enough for craft beer over the years. Mm-hmm. That probably worth throwing him a couple hundred bucks to say thanks. So yeah, good work, Crafty. Uh, just saw a, a place in Randwick it's opening up with fifty-eight taps. It's called the Dog. Ooh, that's a lot. Fifty-eight is a lot. Fifty-eight. 58. You don't want to hope you pack out every weekend, right? Yes. Apparently, it's going to be quite a big venue, and they're going to sort of have, have them across the venue. I see, all right. But it's still a lot. Um, and it turns out it's not the most in Australia. Uh, there's one in like Ipswich or Booval. Really? They're the same place or just... More right than 58 taps of Forex Gold? 72 taps. Wow. 72. It's going to be interesting to see um, uh, how these sort of escalating tap wars in Australia go. Um, you know, I mean, venues with, with that many taps are pretty commonplace uh, overseas, but... Mm. Um, uh, it's because yeah. they can rotate them, that's why. But, yeah, I don't think anywhere in Australia is really going to move that much. Like, you see places with even less taps than that and they don't move that much. Um, and you can look at uh, you look at now tapped, and you know it shows you how how long things have been yeah, on exactly. And if there's a one-off thing, that's just, I looked at one of them the other day, and there's a one-off beer that was like three months old, and it's like, well, so it's just been sitting in the tap line for three months in various states, and yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't think that's great, is it? And also, like, do you want to put your staff through that? Like, hey, you know, most staff struggle to keep up with beer as it is because they have a job to do, but 
hey, 72 beers. Oh, we've just changed the keg. Oh, what's that one? I don't know. We've got 72. I can't keep track of all of them. Like, you kind of want your, yeah. Uh, it's a nightmare, I think. Uh, and then I guess the end result is probably worse for the customer. Well, and worse for beer as a whole because mm-hmm. um, people, when something on a large scale fails, people are going to draw conclusions about the entire industry and the sustainability. And yeah, they're going to point out a beer bubble, which, yeah. Anywho, too many taps for me, but I don't know. If I'm in the neighborhood, I'll go take a couple of beers. If you've been to one of them, let us know, let us know and tell, tell us how you found it and yeah, whether or not they, you think they're rotating taps. Where was it? Randwick. One in Randwick. And it's yet too open? Uh, yeah. And there's another one in Ipswich. Um, last episode we, we referred to, we spoke to, that you didn't listen, didn't hear because it failed. Uh, we spoke to Emily from Froth Magazine. She's just launched a new paper magazine you mm-hmm. would have seen around the traps. Uh, in Melbourne, I think she she told us on the podcast she was expanding it wider and the second issue is about to come out. Yeah, I think as of last weekend, she was just about to send a whole bunch. Yeah, that's I think that's so. why she can't join us again this week because she's busy getting all that sorted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another magazine launched in the States called Palette, which is two Australians that used to work on Smith Journal and uh, Sam from Dogfish Heads involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's interesting. Paper, paper. Hard copy. Oh, there's one in the UK that's launched as well. But yeah, I, can't remember the name I of. think that sort of zine that you pick up for free at a gathering place makes sense. Mm. Um, otherwise, I've picked up froth a couple of times, uh, and yeah, read you know read an interview while I was waiting for someone. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Well, Luke, you and I were having a beer talking about this the other week, and and the idea that um, we've seen sort of traditional street press that's maybe a bit more uh, music-focused contract a bit uh, in recent years. Um, Less advertising means less pages and and all that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with as well as food and beverages going in in cities, it kind of makes sense that if anyone's going to try to sort of resurrect uh, free street press, it it, it might have to do with uh, food and booze. Mm. And there's also times I feel like We're getting probably Pretty close to Screen fatigue I know like I'll leave the house If I've been working All day at home And then Get to the pub And have nothing to look at Didn't bring a book with me And I'm looking at my phone And think I've been looking for a sc- At a screen for Eight hours You know I kind of feel like I need a magazine So Yeah I, ma- I, want, I imagine More It's not just me going Feeling that Yeah definitely not uh, yeah, so good work, and hopefully we get to chat to Emily again sometime soon. We're trying to organise that now. I've got Boat Rocker written down. I don't know why. They're doing good things. Everyone knows that. Maybe it was to bring up that we talk too much about Boat Rocker. Yeah, maybe. No more Boat Rocker talk. Let's skip that one. Nah, everything else I've got on my list. Isn't that exciting? Neither here nor there. Yeah, I did, did a uh, semi-joking news wrap on my website. Uh, plug the website so check that out it's got those last four things on the list on it so cool yeah let's have a break let's get stuck into the main segment all right cool welcome back so let's just quickly uh we've, we've all got a couple of beers in front of us mm. dave you and Aren't i we lucky devils Spoiled rotten. Dave, you and I have got a Three Ravens Gyoza Goza? We do. Which is a Goza style made with 
It was a collaboration from Three Ravens and the Catfish. Was it someone else as well? I can't remember. No, um, it was, uh, yeah, it was just one of the beers that uh, Three Ravens, I think, uh, uh, made for the Catfish. They had a few different breweries making a special one for the birthday. So they used yuzu, wasabi, uh, some citrusy hops. Instead of salt, they used dashi broth, dried fermented uh, tuna. So there's tuna in this. The brewer is a vegetarian, so I don't know how that came about. Okay. Uh, kelp, shiitake mushrooms, Japanese sea salt, and some gourmet powder. That's in, uh, that's in <laughs> quotation marks, which just says here the last of these being MSG. So I guess, guess they use MSG. And that all sounds kind of... It sounds like uh, it's going to be... Jarring cool. and brash, but it's actually very, very subtle. Can we swear on here? Of course yeah, you can. of course. Uh, it sounded like a clusterfuck when he yeah, told me about yeah, the beer. It's a fucking yeah. disaster. Yeah. To keep swearing, yeah. But um, tastes. Yeah, it's very. It's tart. Um, I don't get too much of the uh, specialty ingredients come through. I do get a lot of deliciousness. Mm. Like I, I, that might uh, that might be the gourmet powder that you mentioned actually. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I get, get have the citrusy hops. Mm. It's a bit tart. It's delicious. Mm. Mm. Oh, uh, I did have a taste earlier. Yeah, it's it's it was a lot cleaner than I thought mm. uh, it would be when I heard there was tuna in, in it. I was like, uh, this is going to be a little bit oily and have a strange mouthfeel, but it was actually quite crisp. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, and we've also just poured a second beer for ourselves because we are gluttons, huh? We are gluttons. Dave, you've got the bottle there. Do you want to quickly give us a quick pricey of what this is? Certainly. Uh, currently, we have poured ourselves a generous pour of the. Uh, Speedway Stout by Alesmith in um, San Diego, but this is the version they brewed with Vietnamese coffee. Mm. I can't recall the date, the, the year they did the Vietnamese coffee one, uh, but um, I think this one might be 2013 right. or 2014. I can't okay. remember which one it was. It, the label Smudge. So yeah, I don't know. If I uh, I th- anyway. I think maybe 2014 because that was the first time they did it. Uh, who knows? We could probably put it in the show notes. They do a, a few versions. Uh, we've had the Jamaican Blue version. Yeah, which I so think the was Speedway Stout is a uh, Imperial Stout, basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they play around with a few different... Oh, it's an Imperial Coffee Stout, sorry. And they play around with a few different coffees um, to make it a bit more fun. And uh, this one, you can get the regular Speedway Stout on shelves here in Australia. I mm-hmm. think it's grey. I don't think it's legitimately bought in. Uh, this one is a little bit harder to get, so we're pretty lucky to have, have a bottle, uh, and it tastes delicious. Mm. I schlepped this, for want of a better phrase, mm. from um, America in May, and um, good schlepping, though, because it's, it's remarkable. What's the ABV? You remind me, 10%? 12-ish. 12%, yeah. Ooh. Very, very it's smooth for 12%. Yeah, it's like a really dry chocolate milkshake with this long coffee finish. Yeah, the coffee character is really great usage because it's very very long and very rich mm. and yeah it's 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 a roasty coffee but there's also quite a bit of acid there and i think that um that's hiding the booze in the palate we were just talking before about how it almost singes your nose to, to get the heat uh, uh when you take a sniff but um yeah just that that dryness and, and that coffee bitterness um uh, alongside the the big roast it's incredibly well made um, yeah, incredible. I think you were just starting to say before I rudely interrupted. Uh, last year we got a taste of the Jamaican Blue Coffee version of it uh, during a bottle share. Yeah, that, that was my favorite beer of the whole year. Um, I think that was your podcast beer of the year, wasn't quite it? Quite possibly. So um, uh, I, I, I was a fan. I can't remember how good that was compared to this, but this is pretty pretty spectacular. So well, 
Yeah, this is pretty spectacular. But the only reason why the Jamaican blue stood out so much is because that was a bottle share chock full of top level beers mm. and that was head and shoulders above that above, above those so um if you ever get your hands on one of the uh special versions of the speedway stout do not hesitate in getting it because it's delicious i think i'm liking this more the more i drink it every time i have a mouthful i kind of stop and go oh mm. wow that's delicious yep so um we're a couple of lucky fellas we are three lucky fellas mm. a trio if you will Yeah, tree fellas You've heard that joke, haven't you? I'm not going to do it And uh, my, uh, my second beer that I've got here Is, is actually uh, uh, a Beechworth Pale uh, Because I haven't had one in ages And I saw it on tap And I'm like, you know what? I should drink that I've, I've uh, Last couple months um, Pale's session beer Is the, the, the stuff that tends to get overlooked um, I've, I've just been going at it uh, uh, Pretty enthusiastically Um you know, sometimes you just kind of feel like you need to reset your palate a little bit and um, go back to to basics um, after sort of... I was just thinking that drinking this Speedway, I'm thinking that I can't think of anything more perfect to follow up than the Beach with Pale. Yeah, actually, yeah. So, yeah. And he changes the hopping reg- regime on that quite regularly, mm-hmm. I think. Um, how's it tasting, Rob? Really good. Um, it's it's interesting uh, having a sip uh, after after the speedway um, uh, the the bitterness uh, from the coffee and then the 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 bitterness from uh, uh, the pale are, are doing some very interesting things in my mouth but no it's it's rarely ever had this beer and and have it taste bad it's it's always pretty consistent um, you know obviously they're always mixing up the hops to keep it fresh uh, um, but um, yeah balanced clean crisp. Um, you know, not really ponderous, pretty straightforward. Um, um, but yeah, always a lot of fun. In a world full of um, pale ales, it's really important to find some really good ones. Uh, and I was at the Wolf of the Willows first birthday party last weekend, and that XPA is so <laughs> good. Gets better every time I drink it. It's just yeah, that's incredible beer. I, I was saying to you last night, Dave, we're drinking it again, and. It kind of reminds me of what I want Sierra Nevada Pale to be, or, or probably what it was to me when I first tasted mm. a fresh Sierra Nevada Pale. Um, you know, nice and bitter, really balanced, really drinkable. And just it, it just stops on a dime. It's just such a clean finish on mm. on that XBA. It's um, um, it's almost got the structure of a really dry Pilsner. Uh, in terms of, you know, you get the flavor, you get everything unfolding exactly where it should be, and then bang, it stops. Yep. But with hops. <laughs> Perfectly well balanced as well. All right, let's, uh, we, could, we could fawn over pails that we like all day. Uh, <laughs> like, literally, we could do this all day. But <laughs> let's, um, let's get into the bit of chat. Now, the reason we've, we brought Rob on um, is, is due to the, the article that he wrote. I don't know if he decided whether it was an article or a blog, blog post in the end. Commentary, we'll say. Yes. Uh, it was about, well, I'll let you, you explain it, Rob, because it, it did sort of take off a bit, didn't it? Uh, I, I, I was surprised. Um, uh, it, it was, I don't know, a strongly worded love letter to the, the beer industry, which, um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to sort of work in, 
tangentially um, uh, work for a video production company. Uh, we have a lot of small breweries as clients. Can I give them a plug? Yes. Uh, we are called The Post Project. Um, you can find us uh, on all of the usual spots online. Uh, we make some pretty cool videos. At least we, we think that we do. Um, if we didn't think that we did, that would probably be uh, a bit of an issue. I think um, I've been in one as well, so watch that one. Yes. Yes. Uh, no. Yeah. You were you were in one uh, where we needed to rent a crowd to uh, to show people drinking, and 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 your drinking game was a plus. I'll tell you. You know it. You know it. So so yeah, been been around uh, uh, the beer industry as a consumer, and 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 yeah, sort of uh, a bit on the sidelines on the marketing side, uh, doing video for a few years, and uh, yeah, so strongly worded love letter, um, uh, basically taking. Uh, certain pockets of the industry to task for um, either a conscious or unconscious uh, uh, failures to um, sort of live up to potential in terms of, uh, uh, you know, marketing their product, getting the word out, creating relationships directly with consumers. Um, well, everything uh, outside making the beer. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and it had been spurred on by uh, an article that I'd read uh, a few weeks back. It was sort of, you know, uh, one of the uh, articles that we see sort of periodically about, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the big boys are coming to take all the taps. The big boys are coming to take all the shelf space. Um, the big boys are, are, are coming to, uh, you know, not, uh, not fight the, the tax battles in the way that we want to, to fight them. Um, sort of the whole world's against us, uh, kind of, uh, uh, kind of sky's falling piece. And, and yeah, so just sort of dashed out some thoughts about, you know, ultimately, um, you can wait for the government, uh, the ACCC, the ATO to come in and change things and make more favorable market conditions for uh, small brewers, small winemakers, small spirit producers, or you can pull your pants up and, um, you know, take the information and take the stories out there and do your best to make sure that consumers can make an informed choice. Because if they can make an informed choice, you've got a pretty good shot at, at selling your product. I think Australians like the underdogs. We like to support the underdogs. Definitely. And if people know and are informed about it, given a 50-50 split, they might pick yours over the big boys. Yeah, and I guess one of your sort of main points was yeah, engaging all the people that are, are out there that, that can sort of assist. Because it's not just, you know, these days, there's so many other brewers out there. Like, there's almost one every week that, is, uh, you know, competing to the same shelf space you are. So I guess, yeah, you, you, your point was kind of, I guess, engaging um, producers. Is that right? Well, yeah, it's 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 really about taking ownership uh, of your own story because uh, sort of I I, I I broke it down into uh, the, the major marketing activities that tend to happen uh, um, around craft beverages tend to happen at the point of sale. So a lot of companies are leaning heavily on their sales reps as, uh, as marketing staff, um, trying to educate, uh, you know, bottle shops, uh, venues about the beverages, and then they sell the product in, 
they go away um, and rely on the venues uh, where they sell to sort of hand sell the product to the consumer. And, and they don't necessarily think as much about that direct relationship with the consumer. So you need to support the people who are selling your product by developing a relationship in tandem with them. So they've got their relationships with their customers. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's how it should be. But that can't be 90% of, of your strategy to, uh, to get people to, to care about what you make. So what do you think? So hypothetically speaking, if I was a small brewery about to start up, I've got, I've got a really good beer. Um, I've got, you know, just a couple of people doing sales for me. What what would be your next steps then? What's the uh, what's the approach? Well, I think that the first step is is you have to think about what you're doing and you have to think about why you're doing it. Um, uh, I've I've interviewed lots of uh, uh, brewers, um, lots of you know beverage producers, chefs, other other people, and and. You know, you ask them, why are you doing what you're doing? And they never really have a, a, a great answer. It's, it's, it's generally a variation on, I just want to make something good. Well, everyone else out there wants to make something good. If you want to make something good, why not go get a job working for someone else who's making something good? Why not, um, you know, continue, you know, working in the industry in other capacities? What has caused you to get up one day and say, I'm going to put my whole life on the line and start this business because I want to do things in a very specific way. And so you have to be conscious of why you're doing what you're doing. And you have to work on articulating that because that's the story that people want to hear. They don't just want to hear, oh, you know, so-and-so, you know, made a really nice stout. Um, they want to know what is this compared to everything else out there? Why is this special? What has gone into making this that, that makes it different from the other 24 beers in a very similar style that are sitting next to it on the shelf. Um, and once you can start to articulate why you're doing what you're doing and how you're doing things different. Is it your approach to ingredients? Is it your approach to process? Is it your approach to recipes? Are there other uh, styles of beer that you're not seeing out there that you think can be done here in Australia that, that maybe people haven't been doing before or, or that, that you think that you can have a different take or a better take on it? Ask yourself those questions. Learn how to tell that story. And once you do, then it's just about finding the channels and the avenues to get that message out there. But if you don't have the message in the first place, then then no one's going to talk about you because there's not anything to talk about. I went to a, um, a startup sort of a, co- a course or a workshop the other day. Just I had some spare time and it was free. So, um, And they talked about your elevator pitch and you know, getting your your startup idea into one sentence and that kind of got me thinking about obviously breweries and and as well as sort of what we're doing um you know treating the podcast like a startup and you're synthesizing your idea and saying this is exactly what i'm doing in one sentence um when i went when i thought about that it kind of changed actually what i how i was approaching things and i imagine it's probably the same for a lot of brewers they probably haven't thought about shit if i'm standing sitting in an elevator um, or standing in an elevator with someone and they say, yeah. hey, you own a brewery, I want to invest in it, go. Like, how are they going to sell that to that investor? 
and then that's probably going to be the same way to sell it to consumers, right? It doesn't take too many expansions of thought, though, because your example of how are you setting yourself apart from 24 other beers of the same similar style, No, not one of those 24 aren't in the business to make a good product. Everybody's out there to make a good product. So if you're going to put yourself ahead, got to think about it. Mm. But, yeah, all right. I'd, I'd say, sorry, there are a lot of people in the, biz- in the business to just make a product rather than a good one. Yeah, fair enough, but I f- feel like in, our little, in this little industry, there's a lot of independent people who are really passionate about making their beer and it's creating a big group of those people and mm. those few that get ahead know what they're doing. Do you think... They get ahead because they know what they're doing and they are do, uh, doing the things that Rob... That's what I mean yeah. by getting ahead, yeah. 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 When I say know what they're doing, they know how to present themselves. Yeah. I think we've talked about Boat Rocker and Garage Project a lot, but Garage Project's probably... Great example. Oh, fant- I was just talking about these guys with, uh, with someone last night. Just there is care that goes into everything they do. And it's not just about the beer and it's not just about the recipes, but it's about what they choose to make and what I, I assume they choose to not make because I'm sure that... With uh, the amount of creativity that's going on in that brewery, there's probably some ideas that that sort of you know get left in the bin, and um, so you they they choose what they make to fit a sort of a broader plan or a broader pattern um, than the way that they package it and present it and the way that they put it out and uh, the, the, the thought that goes into what their range looks like at any given time, the different options that they're putting on the shelf at any given time. It's, it's so conscious. Every aspect of that process has been considered and thought out. The other one I was thinking about uh, recently was, was La Siren, who they... Um uh, you know they've got that really good story about going and getting that yeast strain from Belgium, bring it back, mm. and they've just kind of stuck to their one. You know we make saison, we do it really well, and that's become their narrative of you know that, that story of getting the yeast. Every time you read about them, yeah, that's what people talk about. You know exactly what they're about from that because and that just doesn't tell you about an ingredient in the beer. That tells you about a commitment to process, a commitment to a certain way of doing things, a tradition that they actively sought to be a part of and and went to a lot of effort to be a part of. And that's, that's more about what's in your glass. That's about the hands that made what was in your glass. And I think that if people are spending more money because, you know, this beer isn't cheap. If people are spending more money and they're going out of their way to find different venues to get this stuff and they're going to the trouble to try different things, going out of their way to try different things, they want to know more than just what's in the glass is good. That's that's the baseline. That that's a the phrase beer's what's in your glass is you know, it always comes up on, on buyout around about buyout time. And I I don't know if we've talked about this on the show before, but you know, someone will say, Oh, they've been bought out but you know, it's still the same beer as in your glass, you know, it was yesterday. But it kind of reduces everything else that, that goes into a brewery, you know, the packaging, the story, the marketing, um, you know, the, the sales reps, the lady that answers the phone or the man that answers the phone. You know, everyone involved in that and getting your glass, their stories, I think, are important. Well, it's about community. It's It's, it's to ignore the idea of meaning 
of broader meaning and community around beer is to ignore the history of beer. I mean, you know, where I come from before prohibition in the States, you know, every city had its own breweries. Every ethnic group had their own breweries. Every community had their own breweries. People who came from this part of Germany had a brewery that reflected uh, the towns that they grew up in, in this side of the Germany in, in, in the same city, people who were from another side of Germany had, had the, so, so this idea that beer is just about what's in your glass, uh, just is, is stupid and ignorant and lazy and easy. And it ignores the fact that booze has always been about community. Booze has always been about people coming together. It's always been part of our identity. It's also boring as shit. Yeah. Like, because, you know, another brewery that we love, the Yeasty Boys, like, they make spectacular beers, but also you get frequent hugs from the brewer every time you see them. And, like, so that to me is, is just as important as what's in the glass if, you know, that you can meet awesome people that make it. Um, I don't want to meet an accountant that's decided that the hops are too expensive this year, so we're going to need to dial it back a bit. I want to pay a little bit extra and get a hug from the brewer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or we all have these stories about the beers that we buy because we are invested in the, the people and the stories behind it. Like, I'll buy, I'll try every Moondog beer that I can find because I was around those boys when they started and they're brash and uh, it's fun. Mm. And it's fun and you can feel the fun and even if you don't know what's in the glass because of the description on the label, you go, oh, well, I don't know what's about to come. Mm. But you try it anyway because you know about them. And those kind of breweries inevitably have failures, but that's kind of part of it, right? Exactly, like, yeah. It's just as enjoyable to go, man, that was such a weird, horrible beer. That you talk about for months and years <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and, you know, I think it... All right. Ask yourself if there was no financial transaction involved, would people be more open to talking themselves up? You know, it's, it's, I, I, I feel sometimes this sort of, you know, pseudo rebellious iconoclastic thing of marketing being a dirty word because people relate marketing to advertising and people relate advertising to getting products sort of shoved on you and forced on you and, and uh, telling lies or uh, obscuring things or buying more into style than substance. And um, so they just sort of wash their hands of it and they just say, I'm just going to make something good and people are going to like it. And um, it's it's just a cop out, and it's a really overly simplistic worldview. And I kind of want to smack some people in the heads when I hear them talk like that because they're ignoring the fact that yes, this is a a social phenomenon. That you know, I mean, it's it's well, you know, mostly we don't drink alone. Mostly we do it with people. We do it out in the community. We want to have that connection to it. And it's how we all met. Like yeah. sitting here, we know each other through. Yeah drinking and 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 so to take that sort of you know wash your hands of it because all of that's beneath me as approach uh is to ignore the fact that that fundamentally all you're talking about doing is telling people what you're about and why you do what you do and the passion that you have for doing this because no one's no one's going to get rich off of this anytime soon and if they do get rich it's going to be 20 years later when they've been working 14 hour days uh for most of their adult lives and you look at who who's gotten rich, um, 
Sierra Nevada jumps to mind in terms of having a story, creating a narrative around their product. And mm-hmm. Their story is really no different to anyone else's that's in this industry. You know, they scraped hand to mouth to open a brewery, opened a brewery, started selling their beer, you know, at the back of their own truck kind of a thing. Just working themselves to to get to the point they are, and that's really everyone's story that's starting out. Exactly, but they've just made sure that that's really clear that they this is what they've done. They wrote a book about exactly we just did this, and it's worked so well. And like I think every beer lover has such a, an affinity with them for for that reason. Basically, they've watched them grow, and and they're massive now, and they still care about the community. Like they they actively give a shit. So. And, you know, they, they, they didn't have to be the people who set the standard for the kind of beer that they made. I'm sure that somebody somewhere around the time that they were getting going and growing made an awesome pale ale. Um, and maybe they tried to sell a little bit of it. And, you know, maybe it was even better than Sierra Nevada Pale. But you know what? They didn't persevere. They didn't tell the story right. They didn't talk about their product with the passion that Sierra talked about theirs. I mean, they loved those hops. They loved the approach that they had to making beer, and they found ways to articulate it. And it went from going to the little markets and hand-selling one bottle by one bottle by one bottle to speaking through uh, increasingly um, you know, larger platforms. But but they had that story and they had that passion and now they're the ones who, who everyone considers the, the, the gold standard or, you know, sort of set the pace for that style of beer. It is also interesting that they have, they've never really fallen out of favour. You know, you, we're all pretty fickle as a, as a community as well. You know, breweries will come in and out of favour for the, dumb, the dumbest of reasons. But it, it happens. Um, but those guys have always been you know, they do anything and everyone's like, yes, good, great, those guys. Because they earn their, t- their chops, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's hard to begrudge any of that. But they haven't, or they also haven't changed their outlook, you know, mm. their, their brewery still exactly. has, I think, zero wastewater and... Put a huge focus center. on community, exactly yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're making a shitload of money out of it, so good on them. Um, so what are the avenues open, do you think, to brewers that, you know, they're, they're not making a... I guess to use the Sierra Nevada story, if they were to start now, they're living hand to mouth. What are their avenues to, to start then marketing or, or getting a good looking product and pushing their story? How do you do that? Well, it, you know, to a certain extent, I think that um, it's about your priorities. It's about saying that maybe just because you've scraped up uh, enough money to make a couple batches of beer somewhere else or maybe buy a small kit of your own, that all of a sudden you've got enough money to get into business. And that's that's not right. Um, you need to make sure that you wait that extra six months, wait that extra year, save that extra money to have a bit of a kitty there for how you present the product, for how you market the product. Um, and, and, so and you're saying they just budget that in from the start? It needs y- to be part of their budget? It has to be part of your budget. And, and we're not talking about millions here, but you have to have enough budget to pay a professional designer who's knowing who knows what they're doing to design your branding, not just get your cousin's kid who has a copy of pirated Photoshop on his computer to to slap a label together. Um, you know, it's... It, Sorry to interrupt, but do you think you could do that as long as you make that your narrative in terms of we we've just done that and we don't have any money and like you can push that as your story rather than sort of doing it and then not pretending it pretending it's not 
A, it's a story that has occurred many, many, many times. Um, and, you know, like when, you know, Russian River has what, like Comic Sans on their labels, that's quaint because they're Russian River and because they've been doing it for a very long time. If you're entering the market right now, you do that and it just looks like you don't give a shit. Um, <clears throat> and I don't know. I feel like, and uh, yeah, I feel like you could almost, you know, it goes back to what we're talking about, about magazine sort of, you know, hand printed things. Um, uh, one thing you see in Melbourne is the, the whole zine culture where people are, you know, there's kind of an almost an affection for that. I guess it still needs to look good in some way. Um, but I think that's the thing. Like we've talked ad nauseum about label presence on shelves. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you push that narrative and people are well aware of it, it could work for you. But how many times have we had the conversation that you will just pass over it and not even register it in your mind if it's some slapdash label, unless it's clean and uh, visually appealing, which you'll only really get from a supremely talented little cousin or um, a uh, established professional. Unless you're pushing that narrative, I don't think people are going to pick up on the... Well, yeah. plus, like, even with, even with, you know, sort of, like, zine culture, DIY culture... Even when something looks rudimentary, that doesn't necessarily speak to the amount of thought that has gone into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And and if you have something with a lot of thought that has gone into it, um, and you've made a conscious decision to present yourself in this way, um, you know it's 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 not about looking fancy. It's not about looking slick. Uh, you pay a designer to do a good job not because they make the prettiest pictures but because they think about your communications goals and what you're trying to achieve in terms of how you present yourself better than someone else and that's why you don't give it to the cousin's kid because the cousin's kid doesn't understand how to take an idea and translate that into a vision it's kind of that it also translates to social media, I guess, which would be the next next thing, right? Definitely social media. Um, it's 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 the one sort of. I'm not going to be utopian about it. It's not a completely equalized resource, um, but it's it's one place where you can get as close to speaking toe to toe with your larger competitors uh, to consumers, and the best story will generally win. And there's no financial outlay for that. Or, or minimal. Mm. It's a massive risk, social media. And I think people underestimate that because people on social media are actively looking for A, positive things and B, negative things. And no one's looking for middle of the road things. So if someone comes up on social media with something they completely disagree with and they perceive as, as you know any number of things, it's so easy for that to blow into a massive storm for your brand. Like it's so easy to go badly, um, and I think people kind of underestimate that and just kind of, you know, treat it like they're chatting to their mates at the pub or something, and then suddenly, fifty thousand people have just seen uh, an innocuous comment that you've made um, that at the time you thought was innocuous, but suddenly can, yeah. So, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, there are, there are a few rules to social media. Um, first and foremost is don't be a dickhead. Um, and and yeah, think before you hit post. Um, you know. Secondly, um, don't be insincere. Um, people just want genuine conversations. They want information. Um, they don't want to see someone, you know, trying to do something cutesy. Um, uh, the the straightforward approach will always work. They they know that you're there to communicate to them in a manner that will hopefully entice them 
to buy your product. Like that's the exchange that's happening. Everyone knows it. Don't don't try to pretend like something else is happening. Be normal. Exactly. Um, and I think, but there are other areas that that people need to take a closer look at. You know, it's it's. Um, you know, a lot of brewers who start to get a profile, um, you know, they tell me about being inundated with requests for free beer from this sort of arts event or this charity event or things like that. Don't look at that stuff as a chore at the end of the day where you've just got to go pick through and, you know, throw a dart at the wall and decide who's going to get your, your allotment of, of free beer that you're giving away for stuff. Engage with people. Find out what they're doing. Find out what their networks are, what their reach are, the people that they can get to that maybe you can't. Um, don't just say, you know, come pick up the beer. Get involved with the process. Find about, out about what they're doing. Pick people and causes that are close to your heart and therefore the heart of your brand. Pick things that actually make sense with the image that you're trying to present to the world and, 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 and how you're trying to conduct your business and how you're trying to conduct yourself. I mean, you know, utilize these opportunities uh, in a much smarter way. It is addressing... Um, I know Temple, for example, and, and here in Melbourne, they'll engage cycling communities and cycling events. Oh, yeah, Ben, um, ben from uh, uh, Bridge Road uh, yeah. does the same thing. And that kind of, you know, the, it opens up your customer base suddenly. You've got, you know, most people going to a cycling event probably don't drink craft beer. And suddenly you have, you're the only one giving them beer. So suddenly when they go to a, a bottle shop, hey, I know those guys. I, I met the brewer or I met the, the sales rep and had a really good conversation. They supported us, so I'll pay that extra couple of bucks for that beer. Uh, there's a great charity that I work with called uh, uh, Fair Share. Um, they uh, reclaim food that's bound for landfill, and they use it to produce uh, over a million years a year, uh, meals a year, sorry, for the homeless. Um, they recently had a fundraising event. Uh, somehow they'd gotten in touch with the guys from Barrow Boys, and Barrow Boys did uh, basically uh, a fully reclaimed beer. All the ingredients in the beer were were ingredients that had been reclaimed, and, and they made a couple of kegs that special for this event. And I thought that that was just an amazing way, A, to align yourself with the goals of a really awesome organization, and B, to do something a little bit different to, to present yourself to that organization's audience as someone who's like-minded. I was incredibly harsh on the Barrow Boys uh, on the on my blog a while ago, maybe about a year or so ago. But saying that then makes me rethink their brand. Um, I questioned their approach to, to beer and now suddenly I'm, you know, I guess that's a perfect example of, okay, that's interesting because that's the kind of, I love that charity and I think they do a really good job. So seeing someone like them get involved, yeah, it, it takes it away from what's in the glass to, okay, there's a whole... Well, everyone, you know, I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to do in the world right now? They talk about more conscious consumption. Where do your clothes come from? Where were your shoes made? How is your food produced? Is it ethical? Why don't, but then suddenly when it comes to what you're drinking, none of that stuff is, is supposed to matter. I mean, it's, this is why you tell a story. This is why you market yourself. This is why you have a narrative around your brand. You know, your brand is your story. That's all it means. It's, it's, it's how you present your story to the world. Um, there's nothing more sinister than that about it. Um, and I think that once people get it in their heads that this isn't a dirty word, that this isn't a bad thing, that this is just about them being able to convey their values and their passion, um, you're going to see a lot more interesting things happening. Yeah, I think that's very true. Um, 
what do you think about the people that? <laughs> where do you think people's intentions lie when they don't have that direction? Are they? Do they have a genuine uh, want to be in the industry, or do they just want? I don't know. I don't know, like. I don't. I never understand people who just have no desire to put that side of their. Uh, business and passion out there i think it's a lot of reasons i think that some people are like i was saying before turned off by it because they think of it as you know like a dirty word and sort of see the you know coked up 80s advertising executives in their head and you know i think some people it's about artistic pretensions i think that you know we are we are crafting something artistically and therefore you know we're not going to dirty our hands with with commerce as or we're going to dirty our hands with commerce as little as possible um some people i just don't think are equipped to do it they don't understand it they've been brewing beer in a shed for you know 10 15 years and they're just like well i'll just throw some of this in the bottles and you know take it down to the local and see uh see what everyone thinks and 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 they don't stop to 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 have those thoughts um um yeah, I mean, it's it's a whole slew of of reasons uh, why I think different people don't get it for 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 certain reasons. So the I've got my brand going back to the hypothetical. Yeah, I've engaged a designer. I've put some social media out there. Uh, what do I do now? Is there a, is there a third step, or is that kind of the, the well? Start yeah, of the you know. Uh, like I said before, you know, I mean, there's looking at your partnerships, there's looking at how you work with media, there is, um, um, you know, if, if you get to a point where you have a bit of money, maybe talk to someone who works in PR, because, you know, it's pretty easy, even even for dead shits to get into the beer media, because it's not that big. And everyone knows everyone, it's usually your mate, you've got to make a call or send an email and someone will write something in the craft beer world about you. Um, cracking beyond that and getting coverage outside of that to consumers who don't know about you at all is is has to be a next major target at some point. Um, you know, um, if you're regional, look at groups, organizations, clubs in your area that you can go out and support. Become members of different clubs. Become members of different groups. Donate some beer to to those groups' functions. Um, you know, uh, talk to your local newspaper. Maybe buy a little ad in there. Um, um, you have to just have your eyes open to the opportunities around you. If you are going to a venue to sell your beer to them, take a minute if they've got a minute to give you to talk about what do you guys do marketing wise? How do you sell yourselves? How can we help? Can we, you know, put a display in the window? Can we do some signage here? Can we do this? Can we do that? Don't just drop off the product, take the money and go. Um, you know, talk to the rest of the industry about what they're doing. Um, you know, when you do collaborations, choose people, uh, other breweries to collaborate with who are like-minded, who uh, have a complementary presence in the marketplace, who, you know, everyone's brand will benefit by being associated with each other. It's, 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 there are a million things that you can do. Some of them cost more than others. Some of them take more time and effort than others. But really, it's just about keeping your eyes open. It's just about looking for the opportunities that are all around you. The only people we regularly get media releases from, or um, yeah, media releases is probably the big one, and occasional free beers are, I think, probably stone and wood. And that's probably a really good example of they're thoughtful with how they do it. You know, every time they send us something, it's always a, a personalized email. Um, you know, I've met 
met their uh, PR person or their their um, media rep before, and so you know it's always a hey Luke, how's it going? You know, here's our latest beer. You know, what's happening with you lately? Kind of a thing, and it's it's so easy. You know, that's thirty seconds out of her day takes her probably a morning to get all the media that she contacts, and I will generally talk about that through social media at some point because yeah, I need content most of the time. I you know I don't have time to to put everything out there and if she's given me a nice bit of content and I, I always support their brand because I think they, they make really good beers then of course I'm going to talk about that um, you know they might send a free hat and it's great I've got a hat and I'll wear that hat because I like to wear a hat every the now and then the sun's out yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't want and those UV rays to damage sweet sweet skin cells exactly right? yeah. and it's I mean it's such a simple thing to do um, and I noticed you're wearing a hat today that we got from Mountain Goat when they exactly. visited and they gave us a case of beer and a hat and so great like we'll obviously going to wear that hat and it's a, a simple thing um and it's crazy how many breweries don't seem to to do that and it doesn't cost a lot of money to do well no it's just about time and it's about priority you know it's it's um people look at marketing as a chore and they leave it to the end of the day or the end of the week you know it's um um i always love it uh slash hate it when i see uh, a brewery that hasn't shown up on my Twitter feed for like two weeks, send like 30 tweets in the space of an hour, and they're like, okay, that's my social media done for this month. It's, that is frustrating, isn't it? And it, it's kind of not realizing that that stands out on social media because it's, it's an yeah. ongoing conversation. It's not... You look if, like an asshole. If you're just pushing stuff on me, then I'm probably going to ignore you. If you're going to engage in other things that aren't your brand, then suddenly you're interesting but i also think that that like if you see a bunch of tweets in a row or retweets you don't even register them you just go to the next thing because it's it's an inconvenience to my eyes yeah. <laughs> um rob what do you think the impact uh on respective brands are within collaborations uh it's um it depends on the collab. Um, you know, obviously uh people always like to work with overseas brewers um you know, it's it's some of its cultural cringe, even within the craft beer community. It, um, you know, um, you've always got the 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 fat neck beard at the corner of the bar who uh, drinks something by a local brewery. And he's like, well, when I was in California last year, I had this and it was so much better. So. Um, so, yeah, people people always, you know, sort of bow down to these international brands. I do. Um, I just enjoyed the fact that he's doing an accent. And just because we're like, just he's American. So anyway, continue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, you know, I'd like to see a lot more interesting local collabs. Um, you know, I, I especially think, um, you know, regional brewers should get together more brewers who are in different regions. I mean, I'd love to go into like a smaller venue in a country town and see a collab between uh, that brewer and a brewer from a different state who I've never even had a chance to try their beer. Like, I think that that would be amazing to see more of that. And that way you're sort of building this underground network between these small communities, um, uh, uh, of, of, of small regional breweries whose challenges are so much different than, uh, the ones in cities. Um, uh, you know, amongst each other and supporting each other. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, if you're going to do a collab, make sure that everyone is involved and engaged in the process because if the beer is shit, then it looks, reflects poorly on everyone. Um, um, 
make sure that with the label design, you get it right so that everyone is reflected in a way that A, you know who's involved, and B, it looks like their beer, as well as looking like your beer at the same time. And, and so a, a lot of thought uh, has to go into that, you know, and, and make sure that it's you've chosen to do a style that reflects well on the other beers that you do. I mean, I see so many collabs out there where I drink it and it's like, OK, well, what are the other beers that this brewery does? Oh, none of them taste like that at all, which is which is idiotic. Why would you do that? Why would you put a beer out into the world um, that potentially has avenues to reach drinkers that you have never reached before and give them something that's not indicative of, of what you're brewing on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I think both Luke and I have talked about how we get a little bit uh, confused by the lack of what the lack of thought within collaboration. Some of the people are doing great. Like I think this year's Stubborn Russian that Bright released mm. – uh, they engaged a local coffee producer and a local chocolate producer mm-hmm. to do it. And I think that all makes sense because it's a very tight-knit community in Bright and uh, they're just entering markets potentially that no one's thinking about any, anyone else. So that makes sense. But you have to have you have to link to other, other options within your brand. Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense. And I think we do see some arbitrary yeah. collaborations for yeah. the sake of it that don't seem to make a lot of sense. I, I guess personally, I don't love collaborations. I quite often feel like, and I guess I guess the knowledge that I, I, I have uh, of most breweries in Australia, they end up being less than some of their parts. And I'd rather drink, I go, well, I'd rather just drink that beer from that brewery and that beer from that brewery. I don't, like, they've combined the two and it's just kind of missed the mark. Um, there aren't too many collaborations. I, I guess if I was to list my top 50 beers of the, you know, the year, any year, yeah, I yeah. don't know if there'd be many collaborations in there. Um, but then again, I'm, I guess probably the pointiest end of the market. So, Well, one, one that I think uh, did it really well um, actually was uh, when uh, Exit and Kaju did the beer together to uh, sort of like, hey, we're all, we're all happy family. We're, we're brewing together now. They did the, the, the shops and um, um, the style of the beer, the, the hobby scotch ale was something that I think spoke to the preoccupations uh, and the other beers from both breweries, but it was also something that was a little bit sort of audacious and off the beaten track. When you had a look at the label, um, it had elements of design from both breweries in it. Like, I just think that it was really well executed. It was an appropriate beer to release given what they were commemorating. Um, and it, and it, and it was tasted pretty damn good. Let's. Uh, I'm just getting conscious of time. Let's uh, wrap this up. I think it's. Um, How long have we been running? Um, no, we've got a amount of time. I think. I yeah, think that was good. a really good discussion. So let's kill it there and come back and let's do just, some recommendations. Uh, exit stage right while we're ahead, huh? Yeah, yeah, okay. we're ahead definitely. All right. Welcome back, everyone said that as I was stretching out of my chair. These seats here are really comfy. We should shout out that we're at Turo. Well, yeah, we didn't mention, did we? No. Those thanks for Turo for hosting us. A few shows we've uh, put out from Turo now. It's, it's nice adding up, up isn't like it? like sitting up here. Yeah, and, uh, these poor people over here have been really quiet because we're recording. I tried to tell them that they can be, be loud and we don't mind. But <laughs> Give us some yeah. atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's do some recommendations. All right, who are we going to kick off with? Let's go with you, Dave. All right. Uh, you want to have a beer or a non-beer? 
whatever you, you Dave's choice. Oh, Dave's choice. Well, <laughs> I'm just put on the spot now. Uh, <laughs> I will kick off with a beer recommendation. Uh, just recently, it was Tusk Day, which happens what twice a year? Is it? They have I think Tusk they're doing Day it twice a year. Yeah. Tw- anyway, uh, what is Tusk Day? If I don't know, Tusk what that is. Day is the uh, well biannual. <laughs> I guess is that tw- tw- two years or twice a year? Anyway, I think that's up for debate. Okay. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that no one's well, let's sure. Well, let's crush it right now, guys. Put your thinking caps on. Let's figure this out. I think twice a year suits me. Yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, Farrell put together a... Uh, no, I, I would have to object. Um, oh, here we go. Oh, here yeah. we go. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. This is what we need. We conflict. We just sat there yeah. agreeing. For I want to hear this. Hour. I want to hear it. Biannual, yeah. to me, means every two years. Yeah. Semi-annual would be twice a year. Yeah, I think you're right. I get paid bi-monthly, and that's twice a, twice a month. But that's the opposite yeah, of what true, he just said. You just, yeah. you just oh, disagree no, like, with him. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's right. I disagree with you completely. This is a savage debate, isn't it? I wouldn't say savage. Uh, well, anyway, Rob presented a strong case, and I get it paid by monthly, which is the opposite thing. Interesting. Well, yeah, what what is correct will differ from usage. So, um, yeah. Anyway, comes out twice a year. Comes out twice a year. Uh, it's a... Uh, a double IPA, a large double IPA designed it's like to be... like 11% consu- or something? Well, it was this year's 11.8, I think, yeah. Uh, des- uh, designed with the intention that it gets tapped immediately and is drank fresh, which is a great concept. Yep. I don't think anyone can argue with that. More it's of that, please. in the um, stone enjoy by design, I guess. Not packaged, it's just all, it's all, uh, it's all draft only, but it's a very... It's a fun concept to happen and then inevitably when that happens feral uh tend to send to the tusk venues some other goodies as well um and my recommendation is going to be the barrel fermented hog because it's amazing it's so good that could be in the running for my favorite beer of the year yeah it'd be a strong it'd be a strong runner because have you tried it yet rob um the barrel fermented hog yeah mm. yeah, the, yeah this I year's have. one uh the the which the, this year's version um yeah, was that on at Forsters when they did? Yeah, the takeover? they were yeah, one yeah, of the yeah, they yeah. were one of the venues. So that's where that's where I had it. Um, and it's just the the oak. I mean, like everyone that listens knows that listens regularly know that oak doesn't really do it for me when it's overused. But mm. gee, it plays just so well off the hop profile uh, in that particular beer. So. It ends up being like this really delicious dry vanillary orange. Yeah, exactly. Finish. It's just fantastic. So uh, if you're if you're listening now, it's possible that a tusk venue might still have it but just be on the lookout next time uh feral do a tap takeover or it's tusk day or you just see it around um get a pint because it is delicious it is funny that comes into my um love of beers under eight percent right because i had tusk Mm -hmm. had their other other new one warhog which Mm -hmm. is i think eight point something percent Mm -hmm. and then had barrel fermented hog barrel fermented hog wins hands down just all day my favorite and yeah it's the only one of them eight under eight percent. True. Um, yeah. So get it. It's delicious. Rob, beer recommendation. Ah, uh, beer recommendation. Um, uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've been drinking uh, a fair bit of Garage Project Trip Hazard. Um, oh god, that beer. I know. Um, yeah, it's uh, for those who haven't had it, and I think it's getting increasingly tough to find. Uh, it's they a- had- 
Oh, no, go, sorry, and I'll, I'll finish that. 6.3%. Um, so it was a batch that they brewed last year that failed. Um, uh, instead of pouring it down the drain, they threw it in white wine barrels with some Brett and some Lacto and some Petio. I think they use the they, they use the Rosalia strain, Rosalia strain, which yeah. is basically the Rodenbach strain. strain. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and well, it's, mix, mix, mixed culture, I guess. Yeah, it's it's just gorgeous. It's um, it's it's tart and it's fruity, and you get some wonderful white wine acid in it. Um, um, and it's got a bit of depth and it's got a bit of length. And and yeah, I've really really enjoyed that. So I know that they have, I think, fourteen barrels, mini barrels of it. They have a lot of barrels of it, and the plan is to slowly release it, kind of barrel by barrel. So I think I tried it. They had it first at Gabs this year, and then I tried it again in Wellington. And I was chatting to to Joss, and he was saying, "Yeah, we've got a lot, and it's just getting better." And Do you know what barrel you had in Wellington? No, just okay. the, the next one they right. released, pretty much. So yeah, I, I had it. Uh, uh, it's been on tap up at uh, uh, Carwin Cellars, um, and it would have been, I think, a, a fairly recent. Uh, release um mm. went on with a bunch of garage project stuff uh, a couple weeks ago so and it's just getting drier and drier oh, and, and, God, and yeah. better and better so yeah. i think from memory it was you know, the trip hop that didn't ferment down completely yeah and like what do we do stick it in barrels with rosalie yeast and see what happens jesus yeah um yeah good result good one good, good recommendation. recommendation yeah what do you have uh i'm gonna recommend the wayward brewing um i don't know he's about wayward do you know much about wayward had a few, like I reckon that's one that I have when they have ta- takeovers of maybe Pine of Origin perhaps, but yeah, yeah. don't seem to... Um Rob, what's your knowledge on Wayward? Not much. Um, Which anyway, one did you have? I had the Raconteur, which is a beer de garde. Okay. Uh, beer de garde being the kind of farmhousey French style. Uh, it was suitably dusty, I'll say. So beer de garde should have this weird dustiness to them. Had that in spades. It was dry and drinkable and, and wasn't too syrupy. Packaged? And I had it on tap, actually, at the Royston here in Melbourne. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, when I was hanging out with you, Rob. So, yeah, really delicious. Are they, I think they're Queensland, aren't they? Wayward? Or are they New South Welsh? Uh, I don't know. I'll look it up. Uh, New South Wales, sorry. Yeah. Annandale. Does anyone say New South Welsh? Except for me. Someone must. Yeah, sort of an annoying person. Yeah. Once again, I, I reckon it's 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 correct. Uh, it might not be common. Yeah, okay. I'll, uh, I'll take it. Yeah, I'd much rather be correct than common. Um, yeah, delicious beer, like really good, and, and I thought it was a really good example of the style. And it's a style you don't see a lot around. True, Australia. Does Ben still make his with any regularity? The bridge Road, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always pretty. I enjoyable. haven't had that for a long time. I always thought it was a bit too caramelly, but probably the last time I had it was five or six years ago when yeah, I didn't know shit. <laughs> okay, sorry, I knew less than what I know now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's How about we have a round of non-beer recommendations? Yeah. Huh? Let's All go right. Rob first, eh? Let's All right, just, do it. Just skip it. Uh, um. Guess probably best non-beer recommendation I've got at the moment, um, and uh, anyone who follows me on social media is probably sick of hearing about them. But uh, been listening to an amazing band uh, lately from Austin, Texas, called Sweet Spirit. Um, it's uh, just poppy, solely uh, rough around the edges, uh, a bit sexy. Nine people in the band, just glorious unholy racket um and some great songwriting and um yeah you should uh, go find their band camp and check them out what was the name again sweet spirit i've just punched into to spotify they've just got an album out last month kokomo yes. 
Yes. Is that a good album? Is yes. that a good starting point it's, for me? It's a fantastic starting point. Um, they did an EP before that, which is also good. And then they also did a single with uh, Britt Daniel from Spoon. They were sort of his backing band and they wrote a song and they put it out together. Excellent. Well, I've just saved it on my Spotify for good this until later. So. And I watched him do it, so he wasn't just saying Yeah, I'm not, yeah. Even, just, I'm not even lying. Uh, should I have a recommendation? Yeah, All right, I'm going to recommend, this is non-beer, of course. Uh, and there's a dual reason why this is non-beer. I'm going to re- uh, recommend the uh, Victoria Hotel in Footscray, just near middle Footscray Station. Um, it's my hood. It's your hood. It is. I think they call it, it's like got like some like trading name, like Hearts. Hearts Hotel? I hotel, but I don't want to confuse that with Hearts Pub in Sydney. Um, so I think the uh, geographical name. Am I going to get a good beer there? You are not, which is why it's, it's partial, that's partially the reason why it's a non-beer recommendation because it's like stepping back in time and stepping out <laughs> regionally. <laughs> it's like a regional pub from uh, about 1977. It's, like, it's actually amazing. There's a bistro, which is like any other bistro you'll see, but then there's a TAB room, which is like proper sticky carpet. It's like an awful pub. But the pub fair there in the bistro is exceptional it's ex- it's pub fair there's nothing that you'll there's nothing fancy about it but the quality of the food is really really good so you get your bangers and mash your parmigiana your fish and chips and all that but it's top-notch food there's a blog here in melbourne called palmer days mm-hmm. pretty sure they gave that one a, a glow it's and giant and pretty much it's, it's the a giant as, parmigiana yeah yeah exactly similar to what you're saying it's mm-hmm. not a great place but is, is it like is it like um uh acceptably giant or is it like those parmesan you get some places where you see the size of the parma and you're just thinking about all the hormones you're eating so i had another parma recently at an rsl that was that was uh maybe okay so i ate half of it and i was stuffed i eat a lot of food generally um you call you trash bag yeah dave the receptacle (laughs) of yeah uh anyway uh, (laughs) i ate half of that and i was full this was probably 30 percent bigger again right wow so i couldn't really i I didn't eat the palmer so i couldn't gauge how thick it was the one that i had was pretty thick across the board so it was a giant palmer but um not quite as big in uh it's uh geographical (laughs) space but uh the food was delicious uh, the steak was immaculate. I had I had a porterhouse there. It was cooked perfectly. Um, so I'd recommend at least you, Luke, going there just for a meal because mm. it's it's a good... Like, I mean, you're not an Aussie, right? No. This is going to give you a good slice of what pub fare should be. Um, I have been into many pubs. I understand. A lot of pubs... Yeah, but a lot of pubs put a half-assed effort in. I feel like... I feel like, yeah. Had some pretty good Palmas over the years. Yeah, okay. Maybe I actually quite you. like a Palmer. When I first moved... Did you have a, Roy- a Royston Palmer? I've had one in the past. Yeah, yeah. yeah they do it well. Um, uh, I remember when I first moved here and I went out to the pub with like 10 or so co-workers and everyone ordered Palmas. And I'm like, what's everyone doing? You order a steak when you're at the pub. Like, <laughs> this is, what the hell's a Palmer? I don't know what's going on here. Why is... Yeah, turned out it's a... That's what we're t- how we do, thing. yeah. Um, but you're not going to get a good beer there. You might get a Carlton Black if you uh, go at the right time of day. But, um Don't think I've ever had a Carlton Black. Yeah, it's fine. That's fine. Yeah, uh, it was Carlton. It was it's CUB's Stout. Yeah, right. Yeah, which isn't great. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, how about you? Uh, mine is a, a movie mm-hmm. uh, we saw it the other day called Ninety Nine Homes. I've been looking forward to this one. 
Cool. I, I'm not going to give too much away. Um, I, I completely subscribe to the idea of knowing literally zero mm-hmm. yeah. about a movie. How annoying are people that go, no, it's not going to spoil it, and they tell you something anyway. And you're like, yeah, I yeah. don't need to know that. So I've yeah. started like, so Emma uh, listens to a movie podcast, and so she'll say, hey, Luke, we wanna go, I want to go see a movie. I'm like, yeah, cool. What's it called? And she says, 99 Homes. And I'll ah, say, that's enough. Yep. Yeah, I'm like, cool, done. I'm like, don't tell me anymore. Um, really enjoyed it. Really good movie. Really clever. It played in some interesting areas of moral decisions. Um, so yeah, a, a, a unique take on a, a very interesting topic. How's that for intriguing? Away? Yeah, very That's, good. That was that was piss poor. Yeah. All right, um, so, well, no, yeah. so if I tell you why I don't like it, or I, sorry, the things that I didn't like about it, it's a dead giveaway. If I tell you what I liked about it, it's a dead giveaway. So I don't want to give anything away. Don't even look it up on your phone, Rob. Just go see it. No, no, no. Uh, but I did want to mention um, it, it does star Michael Shannon, who is one of the most amazing actors around, which is one reason I wanted to see it. Also directed by an, uh, a, a Persian-American uh, filmmaker may, named uh, Raman Barani, who, uh, if you know anything about indie film over the last 10 years, uh, has made some amazing, amazing films. Man Push Cart, uh, uh, Chop Shop, Goodbye Solo. Um, if those films mean anything to you, then you should probably go this to Ro- see this. I believe Roger Ebert called him the best director of the last decade. Yeah, yeah. So if that's any any recommendation for you, like what else can you get, you know? So without giving it away, you'll laugh, you'll cry. It'll be a roller coaster ride, huh? <laughs> I'm not sure if I laughed. I didn't cry either. Oh, you do, I just made you laugh. There mm. you go. Uh, can we make him cry now? Oh, I, I, cry. Work on I cry in movies all the Top time. Of I'm hair. afraid to admit it. There's a good uh, Bobby Kelly joke. He says he cries all the time now. Mostly when he goes to a casino and sees old ladies by themselves because he knows their husbands aren't around anymore, <laughs> and it makes him cry. On that note, That's should a we wrap way this to up? End. Yeah, Rob, where can we find you on social media? Oh, where can we find that article actually? Medium. Um. Yeah. Just oh, medium.com forward slash Rob. Yeah, just put it in the link. show notes. Like, yeah, yeah use use yeah. text. Um. But yeah, um, I'm uh, at Rominski on Twitter. Um. And I talk a lot of bollocks. Uh. And you're welcome to follow me. Um. If you want to know more about uh, the wonderful world of uh, video for social media and digital platforms. Come visit us at the Post Project. Uh, it's the Post Project on Twitter, the Post Project on Facebook, and uh, thepostproject.com. Excellent. And I have enjoyed watching Post Project uh, videos in the past. They all look um, very professional and very well done. So thank, thank you. We uh, we obviously <laughs> do a really good job of faking our professionalism. <laughs> Dave, where can we find you? Find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at MelbaDave. You can find the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Ale of a Time. Uh, Luke, given that you are uh, newly self-employed, there's more content than ever going up there. So keep your eyes peeled. I don't know. Just keep your fingers on your keyboard at Facebook and enjoy some continuous content. Yeah. And uh, give us a rating on iTunes. We haven't had one for a while. We say this What's up week. with you guys? Give me your give me your rating. Yeah, yeah. Like take a moment. Let's. How long does it take, really? Yeah, you. You've probably I'm asking. How long does it you take? probably work in IT? Like ten seconds. Yeah, you work in IT. You know how to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Or yeah. So yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, and we'll see you again time. shortly. Oh, and also plug for design. Oh, how about you with your plugs? Oh yeah, at all of a time. Yeah, all the same stuff. Um, <laughs> Designed by podcast. Check that out. Give it well. a listen. Yeah. It's actually really good. I put a lot of effort into editing that one. Way more effort than I do editing this one. 
We've obviously granted this one to a whole. Cheers, so, everyone. Yeah, <laughs>